In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Matthew twenty-eight sixteen. My name is Juan Elias, and welcome to the One is One podcast, an ecumenical Christian experience where we try to embody Jesus' desire that his followers may be one as God is one. John seventeen twenty-one. Friends and fellow followers of Jesus, this is our second episode in our knowledge series. Uh, December was a busy month, and I was not able to achieve my goal of two <laughs> per month. And just, I need to realize I need to change that goal. So my current goal will be one knowledge episode a month. Uh, I think this is manageable. Uh, we'll see how the Spirit leads. So today we're further going to explore the topic of ecumenism. In the last episode, we took an initial survey of ecumenism with definitions, explanations, a biblical foundation, and various theological perspectives. Uh, today, I want to briefly explore the two major official sources of ecumenical teaching. Again, the two main sources. And the first is going to come from the World Council of Churches, and the second is going to be official Catholic teaching. Uh, now, today's episode is a little bit interactive. Um, there's some links um, that I'm going to provide, and I'll be looking through some web pages. So feel free to follow along, um, just listen, or to later uh, explore. If we recall from the last episode, the World Council of Churches is a 20th century phenomenon. According to Cecil M. Roebuck Jr., this phenomenon develops as a response of leaders from different churches to Pope Leo XIII's innovation in 1897 of nine days of prayer, the first novena, before Pentecost, calling for church renewal and reunification of Christianity. And we see already this initial beautiful ecumenical response. A leader of one church calls all people to respond to God's grace, and other leaders from other churches respond to that. Recently, another expert in ecumenism spoke of the ecumenical movement being rooted in the missionary movement. And think about that for a second missionary that call to bring the gospel to the ends of the earth, to witness to others about the beauty and love of Christ, and this movement for unity among the followers of Jesus being rooted in that. That is a missionary endeavor and witness. In any case, the World Councils of Churches, or what I'll call the WCC, is one of the essential partners in the global ecumenical movement. We're going to be exploring some web pages, again, from both the WCC and the Catholic sources, uh, so be ready again. So the first link I'm going to click on is for the web page for the WCC. Go ahead and take a moment to do that. Now, as we look at this web page, it's beautifully done, uh, professional, uh, with a lot of different options. 
the first page um, under the title World Council of Churches, uh, we will find this statement. Inspiring the worldwide fellowship of churches to work together for unity, justice, and peace. So here is an explanation of self-understanding. The WCC stands as a worldwide fellowship of churches. It seeks to work together and has the goals of unity, justice, and peace. Going further under the About section, we read this. The World Council of Churches is a fellowship of churches which confess the Lord Jesus Christ as God and Savior, according to the Scriptures, and therefore seek to fulfill together their common calling to the glory of the one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It is a community of churches on the way to visible unity in one faith and one Eucharistic fellowship expressed in worship and in common life in Christ. It seeks to advance towards this unity, as Jesus prayed for his followers, so that the world may believe, John 17, 21. In this further explanation, we find some key components for the WCC. First, a belief in Jesus as God and Savior. Second, the belief in the scriptures. Third, a common call. And fourth, a belief in the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit as one God. Take a moment to consider, do you share these beliefs? If so, what do they mean to you? And if not, why not? And if you're unsure, uh, maybe do some research or talk to your pastor or church leader. Some additional elements to share in the journey of the WCC and ecumenism are these. A journey towards visible unity that should include one shared faith, one shared Eucharistic worship, a common life in Christ, and guided by Jesus' prayer in John 17. Uh, notice that it said a journey towards. So it's not saying that this is the reality that we're living, but it is the reality that we should be moved towards because God is calling us towards that reality. Again, take a moment to consider, do you share these beliefs? Why or why not? Then under the explanation of member churches, we find this. The WCC is a fellowship of 352 member churches who together represent more than half a billion Christians around the world. WCC member churches can be found in all regions of the world and include most of the world's Orthodox churches, Eastern and Oriental, as well as African Instituted, Anglican, Assyrian, Baptist, Evangelical, etc. So under the church family section, there's some cool explanations for each church. And when you click on there, 
you find various churches. So right now I'm looking, I see Anglican churches, Baptist churches, uh, the Marthoma Church. Um, for example, I've never heard of that one, or at least I'm not too sure. I click on it, and then there's an explanation. It's the Church of Malabar. Oh, okay, I've heard of that one, which is connected with St. Thomas. Uh, they believe to have been founded in the first century by Thomas the Apostle. And so there's a little bit more there. Um, feel free to explore there. Uh, so here's the task. Um, find one church that you know and see how it's ex explained. And then choose one church that you don't know to learn something new. Next, we go to the title resources. And here, just look that there's a lot of options. There's documents, there's journals, and there's further resources. Again, something for you to explore. Um, but one option under resources is the Week of Prayer for Christian Unity. And I want to click on that link. We find this explanation for the Week of Prayer for Christian Unity. At least once a year, Christians are reminded of Jesus' prayer for His disciples, that they may be one so that the world may believe. Hearts are touched, and Christians come together to pray for their unity. Congregations and parishes all over the world exchange preachers or arrange special ecumenical celebrations and prayer services. The event that touches off this special experience is the Week of Prayer for Christian Unity. Traditionally, the week of prayer is celebrated between the 18th and 25th of January, between the Feast of Saints Peter and Paul. In the Southern Hemisphere, where January is a vacation time, churches often find other days to celebrate it, for example, around Pentecost, which is also a symbolic date for unity. Uh, so here the idea is, at least once a year, we need to be reminded of this component of Christian living. Uh, second, we find, especially in the ecumenical movement, different practices. So for a good part of Christians, we're going to be doing it between January 18th and 25th. But those in the Southern Hemisphere, um, they might do it around Pentecost or find another appropriate time. Same goal, different practices. Now, to live out this week, there is an, an, an international team composed of people from both representatives from both WCC and from the Roman Catholic Church, and they develop a common text to pray with during the week. And there is a link where you can follow this. Uh, perhaps on another occasion, we'll study and pray over this uh, more in depth. But this agreed, shared, ecumenical text is then sent to all the member churches, to the different regions of bishops in the Catholic churches, and they further translate or adapt this common text to the local language and culture. Now, another important element for the WCC is the Faith and Order Commission. It's under what we do and then Ecumenical Relations, and there we find the Faith and Order Commission. The Faith and Order Commission deals with more theological academic discussions, and this is how they explain themselves. 
Theologians from diverse church traditions and cultural backgrounds collaborate to explore theological issues, assisting the fellowship of churches to overcome divisions and grow in unity. The name Faith and Order refers to two areas in which remaining disagreements prevent communion or unity among Christian churches. The first is faith and the sense of what churches believe. The second area is order in the sense of how the church ministry is organized as it serves and communicates God's salvation in Christ. Faith and order. So here, this is more for certain leaders and scholars of the church. And the ecumenical movement will find that if you're called to it, some people can help out in some ways and some people can help out in other ways. So this is a calling for some people, especially leaders and scholars. Uh, there is an option for digital collection papers uh, for those that are interested. Uh, there's a special option for Nicaea 2025. And this might be a future episode. Honestly, when I found this in my exploration, I was excited um, so stay tuned. We'll see what the Lord brings about that. Nicaea 2025. And here's the explanation of Nicaea 2025 to give you uh, just a glimpse. Living the apostolic faith together today, commemorating the 1700th anniversary of the first ecumenical council at Nicaea. The year 2025 marks the 1700th anniversary of the world's first ecumenical council, the Council of Nicaea of 325, a key moment in the history of Christian faith and for the ecumenical journey today. To mark the anniversary, the World Council of Churches is planning a year of activities with member churches and other churches, Christian world communions, national and regional organizations, and theological and ecumenical institutions. The conference will take place in a monastery at Wadi El Natrun near Alexandria, Egypt from the 24th to the 28th of October 2025 with the theme, Where Now for Visible Unity. The first ecumenical council in 325 was a gathering of Christian bishops in Nicaea, now Isnik in present-day Turkey, as the first attempt to reach consensus in the church through an assembly representing all of Christendom and to affirm the Christian faith in the triune God. In Nicaea, Christians who only recently had been persecuted in the Roman Empire were able to gather under the patronage of the emperor to affirm their faith and witness to the society around them. Then, as now, the call to unity was heard within the context of a troubled, unequal, and divided world. The anniversary offers an opportunity to celebrate and reflect on the affirmation of faith in the Nicene Creed, the mission of God's triune love, and the, implica the implications this has for the common witness and service of the churches, and offers the opportunity to ask afresh with others what Nicaea means for churches and Christians today. For the more ancient churches and mainline churches, I think a question is, how do we return to that unity after so many historical divisions? And for the more contemporary churches, 
and especially if you have no idea uh, about Nicaea, um, how do you integrate the heritage uh, within all of Christian history? What would that look like in your life, in your local church? Let's ask the Holy Spirit to bring a renewal on the universal church through this future event and celebration. So to summarize this first section on the WCC, um, this is what I find. We find the basics to learn, begin, and continue an ecumenical journey. Uh, this is a more official, global, and perhaps leader-oriented resource. There's key events and initiatives, such as the annual week of prayer and the upcoming Nicaea 2025, and more options. Perhaps one significant feature that is more relevant to the common person is the basic descriptions of various churches. This way we don't make the mistake of assuming what other churches are, uh, but we can learn a more common and shared explanation of different churches and discover new churches. Let's move now to the Catholic section. The Catholic Church is another essential and major partner in the ecumenical movement. And here are some resources. Again, I'm going to offer some links and I'll be clicking on it. So we begin with the website from the Dicastery for Promoting Christian Unity. That's a mouthful. Let me say it again. The Dicastery for Promoting Christian Unity. It's a formal term. It's a jargon, technical term. But basically it means a special group within the Catholic Church dedicated to a special purpose. In this case, Christian unity. Once again, on this web page, it's beautiful, well done, it's professional, um, and you see various options, and you see the papal insignia as well. So it's based in Rome at the Vatican. In terms of history, the Dicastery for Promoting Christian Unity, or the DPCU, is linked to the Second Vatican Council, which is pivotal for the Catholic Church's involvement in the ecumenical movement and the Church seeking to meet the needs of the modern world. In terms of purpose, the group has two aims. First is inward, that is to promote an ecumenical spirit within the Catholic Church. Second is outward, being active in ecumenical relations with other churches and ecclesial communities. Now, under Dicastery, I found Collaboration for the Diffusion of the Bible, which piqued my interest, my, my special love for the Scriptures and my study of the Scriptures. One point to note is that the official Catholic teaching is linked to the document on Divine Revelation, also called Dei Verbum, and it emphasizes an ecumenical collaboration on translations of the Bible and also the development of a Catholic Bible Federation. Again, here there's this inward movement, uh, develop a Catholic Bible Federation, and an outward movement. Let's collaborate with other Christians on a common translation. 
The foundation for the common translations are going to be Hebrew for the Old Testament and Greek for the New Testament. And there's a goal of including scholars from different church traditions. The Catholic Church is showing here a clear importance on the scriptures, the collaboration of Christians in the promotion of the scriptures, and a common text that can be more widely shared among believers. If we get confused about, or if people get confused about the different churches, oh wow, if we look at the translations, wow, there's so many out there. So here's a, a goal. First, what Bible translation do you use and why? If you don't have a Bible, go get one. And then two, how can you learn about another translation that believers use in another Christian tradition? Now, another section we're going to find is ecumenical relations. In this section, it's similar to the WCC. There's a list of various churches. It's divided into Eastern and Western sections. Um, but as you explore the different churches, what you discover are documents that express common beliefs. So, for example, I clicked on Pentecostals. I found one study document on charisms and what both Catholics and Pentecostals hold in common beliefs. Uh, these are documents that perhaps, again, tend to more academic-leaning believers. However, um, it's good for us to explore and see what do we actually have in common. Uh, sometimes, um, our beliefs are different than what the church, what our churches actually teach. So here's a challenge or a task. Find one church that interests you on this page and explore one document of shared beliefs. Another major section is general documents. Here we find essential documents, and there's two that I want to highlight from what is here on the page. So first is from the Second Vatican Council. And the other one is from Pope John Paul II. Uh, the first is important because, again, the Second Vatican Council being a pivotal moment in the Catholic Church in the, in the modern world, and Pope John Paul II being uh, an important figure in the modern church and bringing the church into the world and culturating our faith. Uh, there are also other important documents. One interesting document that I found is a clarification of the Latin and Greek traditions about the procession of the Holy Spirit, or what is known as the filioque. It's been a controversial issue for centuries. Here's an effort, an official effort, at doctrinal reconciliation and clarification. A final major section for our exploration is that of the Week of Prayer for Christian Unity. Uh, we found this in the WCC. Here's a link here on the Catholic uh, resource. Uh, so like the WCC, there's an official document for common prayer. Uh, there is a disclaimer here that this is an international version and the visitor is invited to seek a local version from their local bishop or diocese. Uh, again, hopefully we might have a future episode where we're going to explore that text for the week of prayer for Christian unity. Uh, task or challenge, seek out what your church 
or what your area may be doing for the Week of Prayer for Christian Unity uh, this year, maybe last year, past years, or even a future year. So to summarize the Catholic section, I find that there is an official teaching and official efforts on behalf of the Catholic Church to both teach and promote ecumenism. So ecumenism is a part of the official Catholic teaching and Catholic beliefs. Even if it's not understood at a more local and common level, uh, seeking Christian unity is essential. Now to summarize everything that we've been doing today, our brief exploration, um, these two resources from the WCC webpage and the Dicastery webpage for the Catholic Church, these are the two main sources at a global level. It's more official, more theological, more leader-focused. Um, however, these official sources are important for common ground. And so we're not being tossed about by limited individual perspectives. Here are some similarities. Um, both offer some lists of different churches where we can learn about each other. Explore those. And then there's the week of Christian prayer. There's the call to pray together. How do we pray with other followers of Jesus, even if they do not go to the same church as ourselves? Okay, let's continue to pray for unity. Let's keep exploring the ecumenical movement in 2024. This is Juan Elias on the One is One podcast, an ecumenical Christian experience. Please support this ministry by praying, subscribing, and sharing with others. The One is One podcast is ecumenical at the service of all believers in churches and is not affiliated with any particular church. Reach out if you're interested in sponsoring episodes or you feel called to support this ministry in other ways. I'm also available for talks, conferences, and retreats for different sizes of groups and churches. You can communicate at trinitylife31 at gmail.com. If you're struggling and need a faith-based support, try in-person or online biblical counseling at theanswereaz.com. For digital Bible study, you can get a discount by clicking on the link in the description. Let's continue to journey together. Until next time, may you abide in the life of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.